Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. Um, Our passage today comes from Acts chapter 8. We'll be reading verses 26 through 40. And if you're able, could I invite you to stand as we hear God's word read in our midst. This is the very word of God. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. Beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Please be seated. Father, would you guide our time of reflection on these words? Help me, Father, by your Holy Spirit to speak what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. In every social setting, there are those who are on the inside and there are those who are on the outside. When my children were young, several of us dads got together to watch our kids um, as our wives went to a women's conference. And that particular day, there were a lot of girls about my daughter's age, um, but only one boy, uh, her younger brother, my son. And as I watched them play, it was very clear who was on the inside and who was on the outside. You see, when all the girls uh, got together, if only one of them had to go to the bathroom, they all huddled together and went into the bathroom um, all together, making sure they shut the door, keeping my son on the outside. 
uh, when they were playing in a, a tent, um, they were all inside playing together, making sure he was on the outside as a big bad wolf. Poor kid, always on the outside, looking on the inside, learning a lesson that takes most guys a lifetime to learn. Sometimes you're in the doghouse and you, you don't know why. Our passage today describes this dramatic conversion story. Somebody who is on the outside, who is brought on the inside by someone on the inside. And if you think about it, these two people couldn't have been any more different. On the one hand, you have this black Ethiopian eunuch who is, who is brought into the church community by a Jewish Christian named Philip. And so as we examine this unlikely encounter, we see the heart of our mission. What's the heart of our mission? Crossing barriers to bring those who are on the outside into the community of faith. But let me ask you, who was behind this providential encounter? It was God, right? And so as we think about our call to gospel witness, the witness of Jesus and his kingdom, we'll reflect on three things. The first is being filled with his Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God. Second, being open to the leading and guiding of the Spirit. And finally, being used by the Spirit. So, who is this man named Philip? Do you remember Philip? We're actually introduced to Philip earlier on in Acts, in Acts chapter 6. Philip was one of the early, you know, deacons, right? Deacons of the church. Definitely somebody on the inside. And so how is Philip described? How is he and the other deacons described in that chapter? These are men who are full of the, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. And so before we even think about engaging in the work of missions, before we think about sharing our faith or entering into a relationship of discipleship, we need to have a genuine relationship with God. How does that happen? Well, it happens when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. The first simple point is we, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does the Spirit do in us? First, the Spirit regenerates us, gives us a new heart, gives us new life, enables us to believe in the promises of the gospel so that we can be called the very children of God. So why is this genuine relationship so important? Because without it, all the work that we do for God, it becomes a burden. It becomes drudgery. It, it becomes another law that only reminds us of our, our failings and, and inadequacies. But those who have a genuine relationship with God through Jesus... Well, his commands are a delight. His commands are a joy. And because we're secure in our relationship uh, with God, we're not afraid to risk. We're not afraid uh, to give, to love lavishly and generously as, as he's loved us. So if you've come this morning, you're not walking with the Lord, or you feel far from God, 
Let's not wait another day. Let's not wait another hour. Let's, let's call and ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to fill us and to convict us and to draw us closer to Jesus. Many years ago, uh, the grandfather of one of our missionaries uh, wrote a simple hymn. The hymn is called Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Me. Do you know that hymn? It's very simple. The words um, go like this. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. The only problem is that, that those were not the original words uh, of the hymn. Uh, the missionary shared with us, actually, when his grandfather wrote this hymn, he didn't use those words. Uh, the original words were these, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me. Melt me. Mold me. Fill me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. They changed the words in the newer versions to use me and took out break me. So I can imagine that after a few years of singing break me and God answering that prayer, somebody said, um, can we change the words? Uh, no more breaking, right? And um, use me sounds good, right? And so everyone who's been broken quickly agreed and it was settled. Uh, what happens, beloved, when we are filled with the Spirit? Sometimes we're broken, right? But we're also empowered and equipped to be used by God. Jesus himself, you see, is at work in and through us by his Spirit. We need to be filled with his Spirit. But this leads us to the second point. The second thing we see in our passage is our need to be open to the leading and, and guiding of the Holy Spirit. When Philip saw this Ethiopian on the road from Jerusalem, the Spirit, God's Spirit, told Philip, go over and join this chariot. And I think what's important for us is to recognize how Philip responded in this encounter. You see, Philip didn't say, uh, what? This isn't part of our strategic plan. This isn't our target area. Philip doesn't shrink back uh, in fear. He doesn't um, uh, give excuses. But he submits to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And even though he doesn't know exactly what God is doing or, or how things are going to work out, he trusts that God knows. And so he's able to simply obey in faith. Now there might be some here thinking, but how do I know that this feeling, this prompting that I have is from the Holy Spirit or simply the result of eating too many tacos late at night, right? The answer is simple. If what we feel led to do is in accord with God's word, like sharing our faith or giving lavishly to missions or, or going and proclaiming the gospel in other places, uh, if these are the things we feel led to do, then we can have some assurance that God would be pleased if we simply obeyed. In other words, we need to evaluate these promptings that we feel with the Holy Spirit-inspired scriptures, the very Word of God. 
but what should also encourage us in our obedience to the Spirit's promptings is, is the fact that the Spirit is not only at work in us, but is at work in the life of those whom God is calling to Himself. In our passage, we see the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this should give us great comfort, knowing that it's not up to our eloquence, our impeccable logic, or our charisma by which people come to faith, but by the same Holy Spirit that drew us to Him, He is drawing others to our Lord. So let's ask the question, who was this Ethiopian eunuch? What was he doing in Jerusalem? The text tells us he was a court official of the queen of Ethiopia. And by this, we know that he was rich, he was powerful, and likely very educated. And so we ask ourselves, what would inspire this man to travel hundreds and hundreds of miles to go to Jerusalem? What could he possibly want that he doesn't already have? What does the passage tell us? He came to what? He came to worship. This man who seemed to have everything still felt a need to worship. You know, it doesn't matter if, if we're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if we're educated or not. It doesn't matter if we're powerful or weak. We all come to a point in our lives where we recognize there has to be something more to life than what we see here and now. There has to be something more to life than earthly successes and temporary joys. And that something more, of course, is God. The fact that this man was searching for God is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in his life. And so the simple challenge for us today is to be open to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, looking for those in whom we see the Holy Spirit working both locally but also globally. Soon after we moved uh, from Cambodia's missionaries uh, to Georgia, a small t um, suburb, Lilburn, Georgia, um, we met our neighbors uh, who lived across the street. And um, when he found out that we were missionaries, he was, he was so happy. He said, you know, I've always dreamed of having a Bible study in our neighborhood. And we thought that was a wonderful idea. And then he said, and, and now you guys go over there and talk to those neighbors and, and I'll ask these neighbors and, and ask them to come and join our Bible study. And we said, whoa, whoa wait a minute, isn't that uh, kind of a, aggressive? You want us to actually knock on doors and <laughs> invite people into our house, people we don't even know? And then the irony of the situation kind of fell upon us and we reminded ourselves that yes, we were actually missionaries. And, uh, and then we, we proceeded, we did. We knocked on those doors and we asked our neighbors. And to our surprise and shame, many of them agreed to join us for a neighborhood, and most of them were non-Christians. You see, God was working in our neighborhood long before we arrived. It should be a great comfort to us knowing that God's Spirit is working in the lives of the people around us. He knows his elect, and he's drawing them to himself by his Holy Spirit. How? This leads to the third point. 
So the first point is that we need to be filled with His Holy Spirit. The second point is that we need to be open to the leading and guiding of the Spirit. And the final point is that we need to be used by the Spirit. So how is this man on the outside brought into the community of faith? Truth is, God could have used any means He wanted, but He chooses to use somebody on the inside. The timing of the encounter was perfect. At the precise moment Philip approached the carriage, he hears this eunuch reading a text in Isaiah, and not just any text, but a text that speaks of Jesus' death and His resurrection. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away, for his life is taken up from the earth. You know, Philip didn't have to be told what to do when he was called to come to that carriage at that time. He asked the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? Without missing a beat, the eunuch responds, how can I, unless someone guides me? How can I understand unless someone guides me? These words spoken by the man on the outside are directed towards us who are on the inside. I was coming home from a missionary uh, missions conference in a uh, city outside of Atlanta, um, completely exhausted, uh, wiped out. I um, got on the plane and I had the whole road to myself. And I kept praying, please, Lord, let nobody sit next to me. And as soon as the last passenger finally passed by me, I was so elated until the woman sitting right behind me stands up and says, oh my gosh, I'm in the wrong seat, and proceeds to get out of her row into my row, sits right next to me, and begins talking immediately. So uh, where are you from? Why are you so dressed up? What do you do? When she found out I was a pastor, she said, really, are, are you really? A I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor. And then she said this, she said, huh, I wonder why God wanted me to sit next to you today. What does God want me to know? <laughs> we talked the whole way back. How can I understand unless someone guides me? The Ethiopian eunuch then asked Philip the most important question. Who is this man that Isaiah was speaking of? Who is this man who would be slaughtered, vindicated, and then taken up from the earth? And then Philip told him the answer from this passage in Isaiah, but then through the rest of scriptures, it's Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the one who was denied justice as he hung upon the cross to bear our sins and our reproach. And Jesus was the one who was raised to life, vindicated by God and lifted up to the Father. After the teaching, the Ethiopian asked to be baptized. Why did he want to be baptized? Well, baptism is a sign of inclusion. And so this person who was excluded from entering into the temple, this person who was denied the ability to receive the Jewish sign of circumcision, 
is here given the covenant sign, the new covenant sign, that he's accepted, that he's included, that he belongs. How are people on the outside brought on the inside? Through someone on the inside explaining to those on the outside about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and leading them to receive this sign of inclusion, this sign of baptism. What was Philip doing here? Philip was fulfilling the Great Commission, right? How about us? How is God calling us to be used to fulfill His Great Commission? At one point in that night of babysitting, um, all the kids were getting a, a special snack, and uh, the girls lined up first, and uh, we were handing out uh, candy to each one. Um, when the last girl came up to line, she grabbed the bag of candy, uh, once again <laughs> leaving my son on the outside. But then as we saw them, uh, a miracle happened. Um, she looked at my son, uh, reached into that bag, and gave him some candy. Finally, he was included. Beloved, we have something much more precious than candy. We have the sweet gospel of Jesus. And while we can certainly share it here in our own hometown, there are countless billions of people in places that are unreached and unengaged who are still on the outside excluded from the kingdom of God. And they're asking us, they're calling to us, how can we understand unless someone guides us? Indeed, how can they understand unless we guide them? So we who've been accepted by Jesus, we who've been accepted into the family, made citizens of the kingdom of God. We are the means that God has ordained to bring in our brothers and sisters from all across the world. And so let us engage in his mission, whether that is giving generously, praying fervently, or going ourselves to proclaim the gospel of Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for making us the children of God. And thank you for challenging us by your Spirit to seek your name and your glory to fill the earth. So help us now, O oh Lord, to be open to the leading and guiding of your Spirit and help us, O oh Spirit, to be used by you. Fall afresh on us, we ask in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.